When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply with live commentary of all the big games from September 9 on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you. Um, waking up to some not-so-good news. Uh, this uh, tragedy in Wellington, uh, full details have yet to be revealed, but... Uh, it doesn't look good, and it's a terrible and unfortunate loss of life. So uh, it's a bit of a sombre start to uh, our Tuesday morning. Uh, we will um, be talking to Clay, uh, Clark Laidlaw. Clark Laidlaw, who's uh, been talking to Louis Herman Watt, actually. We'll play that interview very shortly. Uh, Clark's, uh, of course, uh, on the other side of the world, celebrating yet another fantastic performance by our All Black Sevens. He's the coach. Um, but what about Clark later and uh, what's he up to uh, from this point on? Well, we'll uh, check it out with Louis. Uh, we shall uh, welcome your text on double eight double three double eight double three. The temper bedpost text machine, of course, is always in operation here. Uh, around about uh, nine thirty, we'll just uh, take stock. Actually, I think we'll go to a sports desk of sort. But it's a bit of a, I guess it's a bit of a, a leveling one, to be perfectly honest. Look at um, the events in the last uh, two or three days. It's not all been good news. Some good news, um, but uh, we'll just have a chat about uh, various issues. Um, we'll have a multi for you just before ten o'clock, and then after that, we'll speak to our golfing superstar tipster, our wizard at deep dive golf. That is uh, David Bileski, PGA Championship, second major of the year, uh, just a couple of days away. Uh, we'll have uh, a stumped smithy this morning at ten thirty. Uh, we'll also talk to Mike Gray. Mike Gray is from Go Media. He's a general manager. Uh, they have the naming rights for Mount Smart S- Stadium, and that will start this Monday. No longer Mount Smart Stadium. It will be Go Media Stadium. Talk to Mike uh, about Go Media. What's it all about, and uh, why have they um, initiated uh, this plan? At uh, 11:30 this morning. That's why we're having um, stumps with there an hour earlier. We've got Ag Insights uh, with Arava. And uh, that'll come through uh, around about 11.30 this morning. Have a few more texts, a few more things to talk about. Um, and uh, we'll close off the show uh, handing over to Staffy just prior to midday. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Uh, I guess it's a bit of a reality-type sermon, a little bit morbid too. Um, but I guess uh, with uh, the devastating news of the passing of young Billy Guyton, it's really hit rugby and sports fans hard over the last 24 hours. It's a massive shock to many who regard him as a friend, a family member, a teammate and a coach uh, that was so young, just 33, uh, that it should, he should be gone so early. And of course, with the, all deaths uh, linked to uh, this type, there is a certain degree of mystery. Why and what could we have done? Why couldn't I see this coming if I'd only been able to help? I've seen this happen firsthand. It's gut-wrenching. Billy will have touched so many as he travelled uh, the country and the globe for New Zealand Māori. The Blues, the Crusaders, the Hurricanes, the Tasman, and of course, 
North Otago in particular. He retired early due to problems with concussion. So again, the questions will be asked, the finger will be pointed inevitably at the contact side of rugby union. Our thoughts to Billy's uh, whanau, uh, of course, and uh, all of those who are doing it tough, who are so close to him. Our thoughts also to Michael Hendry, top-class New Zealand professional golfer who has begun a tough fight against leukaemia, diagnosed just over a month ago. The fact that having qualified for the Open Championship this year and and now won't be able to play will be secondary as he takes on this, the ultimate challenge. A multi-tournament winner, including the New Zealand Open back in 2017, and it is every young golfer's dream to win his National Open. He's done that and plenty more. The prospect of uh, much more tournament golf and the possibility of following Stephen Alka to the Champions Tour no doubt is in his sights, but at the moment it appears a long way off. Here's our best wishes going forward to you, Michael Hendry. And the images beamed around the world of league legend Kevin Sinfield pushing his former teammate and friend Rob Burrow around the course in a wheelchair. The length of the inaugural Rob Burrow Leeds Marathon, then stopping a metre or so short of the line to physically lift him out of the wheelchair and carry him personally over the line. Uh, To be honest, it's damn hard to find the words. Burrow suffers from motor neurone disease, like so many sportsmen. He's inflicted with this disease. It's a horrible one. The serious business of top flight sport is not always about winning and losing on the field or on the course. It's more about the other challenges that are faced away from the limelight in those dark places and dark times. Just a few examples close to home because it's sport and these are sporting people. And again, our thoughts are clearly with those closest to all their fights. What an amazing season it has been for our Sevens squads, uh, both the Black Ferns and the All Blacks putting together a pretty special run in a long time with the Sevens circuit up and running. It's been a while since we've seen this sort of dominance and consistency week in, week out. Winning the series for the All Black Sevens with a tournament in hand, it's pretty special stuff coming off France and they find themselves in London with a very quick turnaround to finish the season off. Head coach of the All Black Sevens is Clark Laidlaw, who's been in the seat for a wee while now. And Clark, you must have been pretty thrilled with the way it all panned out in France. Yeah, obviously delighted. Um, You know, it was... It was a tough tournament, you know, it was a long three-day tournament, but um, to back up the performances we had in Asia, um, Hong Kong and Singapore, to come to France and, and probably win it in a slightly different way, you know, there's the, some tournaments we've been, you know, really on the front foot and, and won some semis and finals, you know, by big margins, but this time we have to sort of dig real deep in, in those two games and, yeah, I guess that sort of makes it a little bit sweeter, doesn't it, when you have to really dig deep and, and find a way, so, yeah, super proud of the group. It would have been very rewarding, I imagine, and I'm sure you wouldn't have been getting um, looking too far past the the immediate uh, task on hand. How's everybody come through? Nothing, no injuries of note that are worry you heading into London. Nah, a few sore heads this morning. I think that was, uh, that was <laughs> just of it this morning. But um, nah, the bodies are the bodies are pretty good. They're, they're, you know, a usual after the tournament, as I say, they're pretty pretty stiff and sore. So you know, huge huge focus on recovery. It was a bit of travel day today. 
um, across to London. Uh, took a little bit of time and a few delays. So, yeah, the boys will recover hard the next couple of days. And I've sort of one proper training session on the Wednesday this week and then a couple of on the Friday. So, so yeah, a real light week. Um, but, you know, at this time of the season, we don't need a whole heap of prepare. We just want to make sure, I guess, we get the bodies and minds ready to go again on the weekend. When you consider how competitive this season's been across the board, it's a pretty special effort what your group's been able to do. What's the identity that you'll remember about this uh, 2023 class that you've had that you'll, you know, it'll stay with you for a long time? What, what would you kind of put it down to or their, their identity? Yeah, it's, you're right. I mean, the season's been so competitive and you do have to sort of pinch yourself a little bit how consistent we've managed to become over the last uh, you know, eight months. Um, since Hong Kong, where we finished ninth and played really poorly the first tournament of the year, if somebody had said, you know, we'd win the World Series with a tournament to, to spare, uh, we would have probably laughed. They would have certainly uh, took their hand off. So, but I think oh, there's loads, loads of little things, I guess, as, as every successful team has. Uh, there's little subtleties on and off the field that, that's made this group really special this year. But there is a genuine connection, you know, on and off the field. I think, I think we've been really strong off the field previous and, and it'd been really clear you know what we want to look like off the field but we've managed to take that onto the field a bit better this year with, with the performance and the training um, we've tweaked a few, a few things how we train um, and I think you, you're starting to see you know that, that real culture that we do have off the field that you can really see on the field coming through and probably defence for the most part but then our ability to then quickly switch to attack is, is something we've worked really hard on you know not, not this season for the last couple of years to really try and I guess dominated defensively and then and then switching to to a turnover attack. So, so yeah, they're a tight group and um, you know the sort of uniqueness of the year with so many young players getting a chance to play is probably the thing that, that sits with me at the minute. Um, how proud of the whole group we are. Well, that's a really good point you you finish on there. And I was gonna ask you, like, did you ever feel that you were in flux with your injuries, or have you got to a point? with this group and um, with your time here in this programme that you're really comfortable with the depth and you know that you can call on who you need to? Yeah, it's... Tomasi Sama's a... He's a, he's a great mind, Tomasi, and, and he's always really calm. We, you know, that middle part of the year when we picked up a whole heap of injuries, um, his ability as a coach to, to trust the players, I think, rubs off on us all. Um, I'm probably a little bit more up and down um, <laughs> emotionally than Tomasi. He's, he's a true Fijian, but... Between the two of us, we've got huge belief in the group, um, you know, and all the all the work all the staff have done with the younger players to to get them ready or as ready as we we can. Um, you know, again, it's something we're really pleased with. So, so that depth we have built, you know, it stands us in really good stead. Um, you know, heading forward, and I think seven, you're always going to have a few injuries. It's such a you know, it's such a tough sport that playing with your so-called you know best team or, or top players is. You know, it's it's not that often that happens. So, so yeah, really happy with the depth we've built, and you know, as I say, it's really exciting for the future of the team. I think Seven's casuals might just assume that if you have a, a couple of standout talents and a couple of X Factor players, you're going to be able to hang in there. When you talk about consistency, and seriously, eight teams have made at least one final this year, and you've managed to win five tournaments. How important is it not just to have X Factor, but to have everybody on the same page at all times? And as you were just talking to, alluding with defence versus attack, and how you've been able to intertwine some um, systems that are really working, just having everybody on the same page, how crucial is that for a, a coach? Yeah, you've described it quite nicely, mate. It's, 
I think that's a point of difference. You know, if you look at other teams, yeah, you know, like Manetta playing for, for Argentina gets a lot of headlines every week because he scores loads of tries. But our point of difference is, is the teamwork. You know, we've got some outstanding individuals within the team and, um, you know, some genuine X factor to go with it too. But I guess that togetherness and, and when you when you watch us play it, it's probably more it's a, it's a full team game versus you know one or two standout individuals you know so that's as you see as a coach and, and as a group that you probably take more satisfaction in that type of team that you can really look across at each other and connect and and, and know that each other's got each other's back and I think that's what you've seen you know certainly in the semi final and final yesterday down two tries in both the games um, the, the calmness and the maturity the group showed was was evident and it's, it's again it's something we've worked really hard on is to try and mature that sort of on-field decision making and composure so so that was really pleasing yesterday. They reckon that Stephen Fleming uses the word cohesion more than any other in the English language and he's gone all right coaching a few IPL uh, titles so <laughs> there you go cohesion it goes a long way doesn't it and I, I wonder how much time you've spent pondering the science of trying to hold form now Clark because as you said it's been a, a nine-month period of of excellence, but I know that Paris and you'll be trying to head back there in over a year's time. Is that something you give thought to, or you can't look that far ahead, or you actually have to? I mean, I don't know. I'll ask you. Yeah, well, we do. We, you know, we daydream as coaches. We we sit and chew the fat a lot around how we think the game can evolve and how we think we can improve our players. Um, you know, I genuinely think there's a lot of growth to come in a lot of our players, not individually as well as collectively. So that you know, our game's really exciting with. With Paris in mind, as you say, it's you know it's a year away. Um, I can only imagine what what kind of noise might be in that stadium by the time we we roll in there if it's if it's sold out and there's eighty thousand French uh, supporters. It'll become some occasion. So so yeah, we, we we definitely you know we we've got into a really good rhythm. We we think we know how we want to train and prepare. Um, we think the tournament weeks are, are pretty well set. But I guess we're always looking for you know just to push push at the edges of your game and your preparation, but. You know, there's a whole heap to like what we've done this year, so replicating it and making sure we don't get complacent will be, you know, we're a big part of off-season when we reset and dust ourselves off as we, you know, get ready for pre-season later in the year. It's very exciting and the sport deserves it. Rio was a little bit smaller, Tokyo was obviously under restrictions, so uh, Paris, it's going to be something special. Very, very excited for that. Hey, mate, you mentioned to me that you're... um on your way back because you've got a, you've got another side gig going, which is a little side hustle, which is a pretty big side hustle in the scheme of things. Like getting back into some 15s with the under-20 side heading to the World Cup in South Africa. I mean, how exciting is that for you, just a, a little bit of different stimulation back to 15s? Are you fired up for it? <laughs> I will be wanting to get back to New Zealand after, the, after these flights. But um, no, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, it's something I've been trying to do with New Zealand rugby for a wee while is... is you know, get a shot coaching 15s again and and stay involved in sort of both games, um, you know, it's something that does excite me. But, um, you know, the 20s is traditionally a, a really exciting group to work with, you know, young and energetic. Um, we're going to have to, you know, work really hard. We, we, you know, we're probably behind the rest of the world a little bit, having not had, you know, the opportunity to play as a team for sort of three years. Um, so we've got a couple of weeks um, starting this weekend coming in Wellington, we play Australia twice. Then we've got a few days off, and, and we fly over early to, to Cape Town and play Argentina in a warm-up game before we get into get into it for real. So, so yeah, it's, it's a good change of focus. Um, you know, you see that it's it's got my brain thinking, you know, about the game differently again, and get to work with different staff and 
and coaches and players, you know, it'll be really good for me and uh, be good for my coaching. Oh, no doubt. And with all these Super Rugby jobs popping up, it sounds like 15s is something that does interest you longer term? Yeah, I think, um, you know, 7s is maybe a young man's sport, isn't it? It's, uh, it's pretty dynamic. It's a lot of time on the road. Uh, certainly I've got you know, three, three children and a wife at home that you spend a lot of time away, so I'm not sure it's a job you could do forever. Um, but, you know, who knows... Um, when 15s or, or 15s or coaching, you know, it's, uh, it's a pretty fickle industry, isn't it? So, you know, I'm mm-hmm. sitting here reasonably satisfied and content at the minute. Um, having having had the weekend we just did and in rugby, you don't get that that often. So I'll let that let that sit there for a few days and uh, just switch my attention to the 20s at the at the back end of the week. Awesome, mate. Really, really good to talk, Clark. I, I think we're all just in awe of what you've been able to do is in that consistency. It's just um, it's been really special for both programs. So all the best. Good luck with your travel, and we look forward to watching the under-20s, and then when you get back in with the uh, Sevens boys, obviously this weekend, job still to do in London. But, yeah, very exciting, and we've been uh, it's been an honour to watch you guys go about this season. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thanks. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, where do those uh, Sevens performances uh, rate for you? Um, gets a, a lot of uh, media exposure. Sevens uh, rugby, uh, of course. Let's not forget the the Black Ferns either as well. Uh, absolutely triumphant. Uh, they're just seemingly unbeatable. They win most games by decent scores, and uh, they're a, a crack unit, which uh, they have to be uh, the favourites for uh, the Olympic gold medal. Having said that, in um, the last couple of big events, the World Championship and of course um, uh, the Commonwealth Games, they fell at the last hurdle. So. Not necessarily so. Uh, and then you heard from uh, Clark Laidlaw there, who's a very successful coach of the uh, All Black Sevens, on the possibility of uh, what he's got going forward. And certainly uh, with his involvement um, with uh, our youth teams, uh, there's a possibility, Louis, that with all the uh, turnover of staff at Super Rugby level, his name's got to be bandied around, surely. Interesting thoughts, Smithy. Morning to you. Good to be back. Um, look, Clark is a he's a thinker of the game, and I think what he's done really well is he's been able to connect with players, and especially young players, so wasn't surprised to see him pick up that under-20s role. I think development of young talent has been a real asset, and you heard him talk about uh, squad depth versus X-factor. I think probably a lot of the success of the All Black Sevens is hitting that balance that they've been able to do really well, which I would suspect would come back to him now, being in that role since 2017. A really good stint around the world, jet-setting, and I think the All Black Sevens starting to peak now isn't a surprise. Does he translate that into Super Rugby? Well, he signed through to 2025, the end of that season. They will want him to go to Paris, especially with how good this team is going. Could you do both? Don't know. I'd have to look uh, very carefully at the itinerary. Um, he might have to make a call, um, you know, at some point. I'm not quite sure of the financial ramifications of being a super coach um, and being a sevens coach, whether you could fit them both in and, um, you know, what is the more appealing in that regard. But certainly now we're looking, um, and uh, this is another p- uh, subject people could uh, come in on, on the text uh, line, double eight double three. Who have you got as candidates? I mean, uh, it, it's not that far away till uh, the boys that are the incumbents uh, coach their last games, take over new positions in, in uh, November the 1st. Also, you've got to look at uh, Aaron Major's situation. It has not worked well for Moana Pacifica. 
Um, so do we look for another one there? Do we look at uh, the Highlanders and say, OK, let's bite the bullet? Has it worked for Clark Dermody at this stage? Uh, it looks like the Highlanders are not going to make the playoffs in a competition where only 12 teams and you can't get in the top eight as a New Zealand rugby side. Uh, look, I, I think that's of concern as well. So how many are we actually looking for here, Louis? Uh, are we looking for four? Are we looking for five? I mean, the only one that's absolutely rock solid is, of course, Clayton McMillan, surely. Well, something I spend a lot of time thinking about is who succeeds Scott Robertson, especially with Scott Hansen following him to the black jersey. And I don't know if you could be in a better position if you tried a few of the Chiefs. You're the best team in the competition this year. By proxy of stability, you're going to be the best team in the competition next year, head and shoulders. And don't you think that logic would apply to the Highlanders, Smithy? Your advantage, the advantage is that if you want, you can keep the same setup and you can have cohesion and stability and you don't have to rock the boat or do you take the mulligan and as everybody else hits reset you take re- you hit reset too i mean there's two trains of thought isn't there there is um the interesting thing about the highlanders next year louis is that of course a lot of these super sides are going to lose key players we're going to go to japan they're going to go elsewhere um and if the highlanders could possibly keep their playing group now that might level the playing field a wee bit. But at the moment, Highlanders fans would say it's unacceptable this season. It just hasn't mm. gone well. It's, a, it's an interesting point. It really is. So come in to us, uh, double eight, double three, if you have any thoughts on that. Um, super coaches, give us a list. It's 9.29, Louis. Take over before I choke. <laughs> you do that, Smithy. Uh, <laughs> I am curious, like around Clark Laidlaw's coaching credentials. I know he has he, in the English Premiership. He was an assistant coach before he came out here with the Sevens. He's clearly had ambitions to get back into the Fifteens. I mean, for example, if you were a Hurricanes fan and Clark Laidlaw got given the car keys, how would you feel? Like Sevens to Fifteens, do you just trust the process and say, look, he's he's been able to connect with players and he's done it at a different in a different format of the game, or would you like someone with a bit more experience? I don't know. That's just my final thought there. Well, well, who's got more experience? That's what I like to know. <clears throat> Who has got more experience? It's nine thirty. It's a news. Fourteen seventy six a.m. in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Making SENZ news this hour, a blaze that ripped through a multi-level accommodation building on Adelaide Road around 12.30 this morning is believed to have killed between 6 and 10 people. Meanwhile, a hotline's been set up for people trying to locate their loved ones they believe may have been involved, area code 4499 And a 25-year-old woman heads to court today facing two counts of murder after two children aged 1 and 4 were found dead in Ruakaka yesterday. SENZ Radio.NZ Sport next. Download the SENZ app today and listen live or catch up on anything you missed from your favourite show. Kiwi golfing sensation Michael Hendry has been diagnosed with leukaemia and on social media he's revealed he's now in the fight for his life to beat it. He says he got the shock diagnosis when he came back to New Zealand last month. And Aussie and New Zealand are being mooted as possible hosts for the 2025 World Cup after French organisers withdrew, citing financial issues. More inside 30 on SENZ. All Blacks tickets on sale now at allblacks.com. Be a part of it.
Auckland weather, partly cloudy, isolated showers, southwest is a high 17, low 10. Welcome to your official home for the 2023 Rugby World Cup with live commentary of all the big games from September 9 on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Right, 9.31 here on SENZ. Yes, we're going to the sports desk pretty early today and it's a mixed sort of a sports desk and we're going to begin uh, by talking to uh, Araha because uh, even though we focus uh, heavily on sport on this uh, particular station, uh, we can't uh, ignore what's going on in the rest of the world and the rest of the country in particular and uh, some terrible news coming out of Wellington uh, with this uh, fire in Loafers Lodge in uh, Newtown, just up from the Basin Reserve, Aroha. It's a tough one to report on when it's been your backyard. I think that's the thing that I've dealt with today, but let's not make it about me. Let's make it about Newtown, and it must have been an absolute stomach drop to be in one of those fire cabs this morning. And you come, I don't, you know Wellington, and you know where the basin is, and you know Adelaide Road, mm. right, Smithy? Yep. So yeah, you know I know it really well. Been, uh, just, just over the hill of Miramar, so yeah, I do. So this place is like right by the countdown. If people know Adelaide Road and where mm. the little intersection is, it's basically in a, the main drag, and the buses haul through, and Newtown's so eclectic. And it's kind of like, well, all of Wellington's a bit eclectic, but it's kind of like... I think it kind of hits at a deeper level for that kind of community where you've got a really close community. It's a, I mean, it's not like Mangere, but Mangere's got a really strong community vibe. So if you can kind of grab that, a community that's strong, that um, celebrates its differences, and, you know, it's kind of a bit transient. You can come and go from Newtown. So the lodge there, the, report, the fire was reported at about half past 12, so middle mm. of the night. So if you're not a shift worker, you're asleep or you're outside having a fag on the road and you see the fire from the roadside. So they were still, I think it was like four o'clock in the morning, they still had 20 appliances. And the last thing I just heard from the fire chief then was that there were like 95 staff on site at the height of the blaze, not the 50 that had been reported previously. The Prime Minister let slip that he'd been told six people killed at that stage. And police sent out a press release just not long ago saying they believe it will be fewer than 10 people who have lost their lives in the place. But mm. <clears throat> it's just down the road from the hospital. It's just down the road from the supermarket. It's just down the road from the basin. It's just down the road from uh, where I used to play softball for Miramar. It's, it's just down the road. From, in Wellington, everything's just down the road. So it's a tough one yeah. for Wellington today. It is a very tough one, actually. Um, as you say, it's a major thoroughfare um, that's been blocked off as well. That's pretty minuscule in the scheme of things, but um, yep. it's very recognisable building. Loafers Lodge. I mean, it's by the fork that uh, when you come up, yes. uh, where you head south um, up um, Adelaide Road, it forks up the hill towards where the old athletic park was. That's right. And it forks left towards the hus the hospital and the zoo. It's right on that corner there. So major. My friend's cafe used to be almost right there. So I spent a mm. lot of time on that corner hanging out and and um, chin-wigging and going to visit people in the hospital. So the other thing today is, I mean, you talk about it being a main arterial route in and out of the city. Yeah, it is, so it's still closed and that's affecting buses. And we might think that it's a small thing, and it, it, it might be in the scheme of things, but it's also affecting traffic in and out of the hospital. So emergency mm. service vehicles. Um, people are being asked to stay home today if they don't need to be at work, which I'm sure they've already made up their mind about by this time of the day. But the last thing I heard from 
fire and emergency who have been well in charge of this incident and their lead has been impeccable um, is that they've just brought in specialist search and rescue crews as they go in to ascertain the safety of the building along with police urban rescue teams as well so that's the so latest we're talk- we're not talking um, a luxury lodge here are we we're talking no. about uh, a it's type a boarding of lodge, lodge which is yeah a boarding lodge for people who are as you say transient or in um, it's such a pretty tough, word tough to times use. themselves yeah Tough times themselves. It's been used as emergency accommodation for some people. Like it's it's a borders lodge, you know. There's you mm. see them all over the place. There's one in Auckland, right there as you're coming up to TV three, sort of just as you go up the hill. There's like a, a couple of little lodges around that you can get a room at for 140 bucks a night. But one of the issues that they're facing, and sorry if we've already heard this about 40 times today in the news, is because. There are shift workers. They aren't certain that the 52 people that they managed to evacuate from the building are the only people who survived because there would have mm. been people at work. Right. Okay. Thanks for that, uh, Arawa. We'll uh, listen to your bulletins throughout the morning for further updates on um, uh, the details of it, uh, Louis. But um, that's not good news. And of course, uh, one of the other things um, that came through yesterday was uh, the real tragic passing of uh, young Billy Guyton. I had the um, pleasure of commentating Billy Guyton uh, when he played uh, particularly for the Tasman Marco. A couple of super games, uh, interviewed him on a couple of occasions. Uh, Very, very sad. It is sad. It feels like a bit of a pin pop for a um, balloon pop for a Tuesday, isn't it? Um, Mm. The Billy Guyton news is absolutely devastating. Your sermon was kind of on the money because whenever you get passings of this... um, well, very, very sombre nature. You you do you ask more questions than you have answers, and obviously the retiring because of concussion. People will draw conclusions there. I've I've seen lots of tributes flowing. Marty Banks, um, you know, even Johnny McNichol and Richie Mwanga, that kind of era at the Crusaders. He he played mostly for the Blues. Uh, Fifty-two games, so a half centurion for the Marcos though, and then, and then the Marco though, and then obviously a recent coach of their. Farah Palmer Cup Marco team as well so look this will really hurt a lot of people in that rugby community and yeah I mean you know similar ages your kids Smithy and, and myself so it's 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 pretty brutal and um, just I guess thinking of his family first and foremost and those one those people close to him it's yeah it hasn't been great and then you kind of move along to the, the news yesterday that was announced by the man himself Mike Hendry who <laughs> Like he just started finding some really good form. He was he was playing really good golf on his and his Japanese um, exploits, and then back here at the New Zealand Open, and uh, being able to nab that uh, open invite was such a highlight for him, and he was looking forward to it so much. We spoke to him on the breakfast show only about oh, I reckon six weeks ago, two months ago. Um, so yeah, really deflating news all around. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, he's tough. He's a big, strong guy. Um, he's uh, faced up to it, and uh, he's already begun his program of uh, um, <coughs> of uh, chemotherapy, etc. So, um, and uh, at the moment, I think, believe he's uh, at home, um, just rehabilitating after that, and then he'll uh, have uh, more challenges to go. It's going to be a long fight. It's uh, going to be a bit of a marathon in that sense, um, as opposed to just a quick fix. But uh, Michael Henry is tough. He's mentally tough. You don't get to be uh, an open champion of uh, your own country. Uh, without having uh, a good mindset. So uh, let's hope that um, those positive thoughts and we pass on ours 
as well to uh, a really, really good New Zealand sportsman who has still so much to do. I mean, uh, I hinted at it. Uh, he's exactly the kind of player who could do well with his power and his strength uh, on the Champions Tour, which is a few years away yet. Um, but he would have... Uh, <coughs> it's probably far from his thinking at the moment, but maybe a goal. Better news, and there has to be better news. Uh, and I let it brown. Albie signs uh, for um, another couple, another three years, actually, um, to uh, 2026, which... I would think uh, he probably feels himself he's got a bit of point to prove because he's had so much time out through injury. Uh, he thinks he probably uh, feels as if, um, you know, the, the Chiefs and uh, particularly the, uh, the All Black uh, jersey is still what he wants. Uh, and this is a good signing in a, a midfield area uh, that is congested yet still confusing, I think it's fair to say. Very good point. I feel like Anton Leonard-Brown's got another half of his career to live yet and and I um, always shocks me that it was my era of the press cup down here, the Richie Moonga, Damian McKenzie, Anton Leonard Brown. It always shocks me when you think about how many tests he's played and how many Super Rugby he's played. He's only 28. He's got so much more to give. How about this? Fourth most capped All Blacks midfielder behind and only, you know, 14 tests behind Tana Umanga, Conrad Smith, Ma Nonu. I wouldn't be surprised to see Anton Leonard Brown be an All Black Centurion, and don't like don't think for a second that probably wasn't part of his thinking. I think Scott Robertson would be absolutely thrilled with this because, as Lee Stensis told us, uh, when was that Smithy Friday? That when Anton Leonard Brown is at his best mid defensively, he's he's pretty smart in there, and he's a real linchpin for them. Yeah, absolutely. I I think he's a given. He's a given for the World Cup because he's uh, one of those re- one of those reliable players. Uh, I won't say he's Conrad Smith, but he plays that Conrad Smith type role, that clean up role, that tough role, uh, that thinking type role. And I, I, I like him. Plus, he's uh, he doesn't mind the nags either, does he? He's, he's, a, he's an owner. <laughs> doesn't mind a punch. Right. So he's a decent sort of a, he's a good sort of a rooster. Uh, uh, weird sort of news coming out. Uh, France sort of hosting so much sport coming up, um, the Olympics, uh, the Rugby World Cup, etc. Uh, all of a sudden, they've just turned around and said, well, we can't afford um, to do the Rugby League World Cup. Now, just when Rugby League World Cup was starting to kick back into gear after a successful one in the UK, uh, COVID, of course, uh, put it on hold and people weren't able to travel. Uh, they said, right, we've got one in France coming up. OK, they're not a champion Rugby League nation, but they'll do it well. Not going to do it at all, Louis. They pulled, pulled the pin. Bizarre, isn't it, Smithy? You, you know, like, you really have to think about what the motive is here because I don't think cash has really got to be the problem or maybe if it is they haven't looked and worked hard enough to, to make it work because, and isn't it funny with Rugby League that, you know, the, the greatest game of all tagline? Well, it's the game with the most bizarre storylines per capita. Gee whiz, they love an interesting subplot, Rugby League, and international Rugby League in particular, uh, yeah, unable to meet financial criteria, criteria set out by the French government, and uh, they don't want to be left at a deficit, so they're not going to do it. Well, the International Rugby League chair says he's just he's difficult to express how disappointed express how disappointed he is with the news. There's no secret as to how important strengthening France of a rugby league nation is to our global game and central to our strategic plans. Well, I completely understand that because it's such a cashed up sports nation. And if they could crack into that, and you know, you look at what the Sevens have just done there the weekend gone, Clark was saying how loud it was. I mean, they are a passionate sporting nation. So I guess the question goes, mm. is Australia and New Zealand the short price favourite to pick this up at short notice? 
At short notice, uh, have we got the infrastructure? Have we got the money? Certainly Australia have got the, the rugby league money. They've got the venues ready-made. Uh, they'll have the support base. They'll have the favourite for the tournament. You kind of think if anyone's going to come to the rescue, it'll be the Aussies first. Right, it's 9.43. Uh, we've got more to talk about throughout the morning, including a poor result for you Leicester City fans, losing uh, 3-0 to Liverpool this morning. That is a step backwards towards relegation. Back soon. ECNZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. Keep up to date on Twitter and Instagram at ECNZ underscore radio. SCNZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. Call anytime 0800 Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. You got to know when the holder, know when the folder, Smithy's multi, know when to walk away, and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Rightio, uh, let's have a look at uh, yesterday, shall we? Uh, Liverpool to beat Leicester. Yes, they did that 3-0 this morning. The Steels v the Stars, under 107.5 goals. It was just under 100. It was 105, actually. So uh, that came home at $1.85. And then the Gujarat Titans to beat the Sunrisers, Hyderabad in the IPL. They did that, uh, so we got it up at uh, $4.40. So a successful one to start our Monday. Tuesday uh, multi for us today as well. Tomorrow morning, uh, Champion League, Champions League round two uh, of those uh, two semi-final ties. Uh, Inter to beat uh, AC Milan, Inter, uh, even though they're playing at San Siro, it's the same stadium. Uh, Inter to beat AC Milan at $2. Uh, in tennis, and uh, this uh, is uh, an important tournament, uh, the Casper Ruud, uh, it's a Rome Masters, Casper Ruud to beat uh, Lazio de Gia in the second round at $1.37. And we'll go back to the IPL and try our luck again with the Mumbai Indians, who are pretty warm favourites at $1.69 to beat the Lucknow Super Giants. So Inter into Kasparud, into the Mumbai Indians, uh, and that'll net us, net us uh, around about uh, $4.60, just uh, a touch in front of that. Let me talk to David Bolesky after uh, 10 o'clock uh, this morning, and David, of course, is uh, at Deep Dive Golf. Uh, he is uh, a golf tipping wizard, and he can tip them out at uh, def- decent prices as well. So uh, <coughs> um, All Blacks uh, to be playing, All Blacks to be playing Fiji. Uh, have they not been official test matches in the past no no they were it was before fiji was recognized by world rugby as an official test playing nation what, what was that the 70s what decade was it how long ago yeah i'm, I'm not quite sure but um yeah i i just assumed that um all of those were the all blacks not given test caps official test caps for those i i'd I kind of recall, I mean, I've always associated people like Craig Wicks and uh, Ken Taylor, etc., as being All Blacks with a test match, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone can text us in. Good subject. Double eight, double three. Uh, are you confused by this? I just assumed that, um, that they were uh, fully-fledged test matches, but I could be wrong. So if anyone's got an update on that, uh, text us in and uh, give us some information on the texting subject too. Uh, Dean has come in and sent condolences to Billy's family. 107 first-class games gone too soon, RIP. No doubt about that, uh, Dean. Um, and uh, Ken has come in. Love Ken's uh, uh, contributions to the show. 
generally a little bit of uh, Blues bias in them or Auckland or Counties bias in them. Uh, Wayne Pivak, his candidates uh, for super jobs. Uh, Wayne Pivak, Joe Smith, Ross Filippo. That'd be a rapid rise to fame for Ross Filippo. Uh, Joe Maddock, uh, Glenn Delaney, Vern Cotter, and have heard the, those names come up more than once. So that is uh, from Ken. Um, Razor has a lot of time for Anton Leonard-Brown. He was shoulder-tapped multiple times to come home, says Paddy. Home being, of course, back to Christchurch. Uh, locked ALB into 13 for the All Blacks for the foreseeable future and put Rico back to number 11. So uh, it's always one of the um, <clears throat> it's always one of the uh, the most talked about positions. Uh, Rico at centre, um, but all the time that we've been doing this, we haven't had a great run of Anton Leonard Brown, a solid run of performance and availability from Anton Leonard Brown. Now, not only are we going to get that, we're going to get that through to 2026 which can only be great news. 9.52 here on SENZ. We've got a lineup at SENZ that would terrify any NRL defence. Izzy, Kempe, Kirst, Beaver, Staffy, Clado, Smithy. Nope, no thank you. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. seems to fit those raindrops are falling on my head they keep falling so butch cassidy and the sundance kid eh butch cassidy and the sundance kid now what a movie that was and raindrops keep falling on my head that was uh, the kind of uh, song you wanted to sing on the fifth morning of a test match when it was going nowhere in other words no one could win it was only going to ever be a draw so what was the point it's like raindrops. Where's the rain? Raindrops keep falling on my head. So that was a popular song. But that dates us back. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Also, Graham's uh, come in and said Craig Wicks played one non-test match versus Fiji in Auckland as a reserve and replaced Ken Taylor with 15 minutes to go. Yeah, interesting. I, I just did a bit of reading on that too uh, myself, Graham. <coughs> it was, uh, he was selected as a reserve, as you say. Uh, he played a non-test match um, on September 13th, 1980, making him 18 years and 200 years, uh, 18 years, 200 days old, um, which uh, at that time uh, made him very young. In fact, he's the second youngest uh, All Black still, I believe. Uh, the selection policy for that match excluded all players who had played against Australia and France earlier that season. So quite clearly, uh, not a full-strength All Black uh, team and not a test match. So that has answered uh, that one for me. Replaced uh, injured winger Kenny Taylor with 14 minutes remaining in the game and then suffered a whole lot of knee injuries. Actually, incidentally, uh, Craig Wicks was pretty quick. He was also a sprinter. Uh, at school, his best times were 10.9 seconds for the 100 metres, 23 seconds for the 200. That's Palmerston North Boys High. Craig Wicks, 61 years of age these days. My God, does time fly. And it does fly. That hour's gone very quickly. David Bileski on golf after the break. 2023 Rugby World Cup with live commentary of all the big games from September 9 on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York Yeah, old Blue Eyes himself in New York, New York and that's where it's all happening golf-wise this week at the Oak Hills Country Club It uh, looks to be absolutely fantastic as well uh, good timing for the game of golf because despite the bickering and undermining which has uh, been between the administrators and some players of late, the world's best are in red-hot form leading into this the PGA Championship Major number 2 for the year. One of golf's really good guys, Jason Day, kept off some strong and promising form after its uh, win at uh, the AT&T Byron Nelson. Meanwhile, uh, across uh, country fellow uh, Aussie Cam Smith was in a playoff on the Live Tour with Dustin Johnson, who made the big putts when it counted to get the back in the winner's circle himself. Uh, interesting to note that Dustin Johnson, having won, uh, dropped uh, his official world golf rankings because Live performances don't count. They've dropped to 82, in danger of falling out of the top 100. Well, bloke who's uh, all over that and uh, everything leading into uh, the PGA Championship is uh, our very good friend of the show, David Bolesky, and uh, he joins us again this morning. David, good morning to you. Good morning, Smithy. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I look forward to this uh, championship at uh, Oak Hill. Um, fourth time they hosted the event, defending champion Justin Thomas. Tell us a wee bit about Oak Hill. Who does it suit? Yeah, it is interesting because it's, it's a course that's hosted multiple um, major championships in the US Amateur and it's hosted the PGA Championship before, but I do think that this is going to be a completely different test to what we've seen um, in recent times. It's undergone a, an extensive um, restoration to really return it back to the original Donald Ross design that we saw and um, it's kind of similar to what we experienced at, um, at Southern Hills last year in terms of the fact the the course has been completely redone to try and restore um, what was the original design um, of the the architect? So, previously, I mean, this course was just littered with with thousands, multiple thousands of trees, um, and it really became a test for a lot of players and I think we saw that in, in the last iteration with Jason Duffner and, and Jim Zurek towards the top of the leaderboard and, and as part of the restoration um, they've they've removed a large, large number of the trees, they've redone all the greens, they've redone all the bunkering, the rough looks incredibly penal so it's it's probably from my eyes more likely to play uh, as a um, akin to a Beth Page Black or a Wingfoot, where you 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 know if you're not going to be accurate off the tee, you you best be long. Right. Okay. Let's um, look at um, who that suits then, and in, in, in terms of uh, what you're thinking, because we're looking at our dimensions now. It's a past seventy, uh, very different, as you say, from ten years ago. There's three new holes. A lot of these golfers will be playing it for the first time now in their practice rounds. Uh, 7,394 yards. Who does these dimensions suit in your thinking? Yeah, for me, it looks like it's just going to be a very, very stern test golf tee to green. I think we're going to see pretty high scoring overall. Even if you're finding the, the fairway off the tee, you're going to be left with a disproportionate number of approach shots over 200 yards. And then around the greens, you've got uh, bunkering almost almost 
um, sort of like link style bunkering with heavy undulations, uh, depending where you're placed in the bunker, um, they're, they're not going to be bailout areas for these these golfers whatsoever. Um, and then the the greens themselves, some of them are as narrow as as 12 yards, um, and then as wide as 35 yards. So that makes uh, for for the players and for the um, for the course organisers some really interesting options in terms of where they they place those pins to to really um, provide a test for the best in the game. So for me, I, I think you're just going to have to look towards the top of the leaderboard initially. Um, there's there's very few golfers, in my opinion, who are going to be able to stand up to this test. Um, Rory McIlroy is obviously a member here um, at Rochester, and um, I think that having a bit of course knowledge may be a benefit, having been able to play this course over the last few years um, and being a member around here. I think that's going to be beneficial to him. He's one of the strongest drivers in the game as well. He's long off the tee, but he's also very, very accurate. Um, we haven't seen the best of Rory lately, so I think that that may see him being missed a little bit in terms of the market. Um, John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler, though, are just they're they're playing on another level towards uh, to the the whole um, field at the moment as well. So, I think those those are the big names, and and I'd expect them to to be um, shining towards the top of the leaderboard. We may get a few surprises in there. We always do at these sort of tournaments, but um, in terms of that aspect, I do think that we're going to see the cream rise to the top of this one. It's interesting, yeah, because it is a par seventy. Of course, there's only two par fives now. Traditionally, if you look at the Masters, if you look at uh, some of these uh, PGA events, they monster the par fives with their distance, some of these pros. Of course, with only two opportunities in every round, uh, that makes it, as you say, a lot more target-type golf as opposed to distance. Yeah, although I, what I would say is that because the, the the rough is so, so thick this year, like it's, it's playing incredibly tough if you do miss the COA, and having the strength to be able to get the ball out of that rough when you're approaching from, say, 220 yards plus um, is going to be difficult. And even on some of these par fours, um, you, there there are kind of like compulsory carries that a lot of these players are going to have to do. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's bunkers in some places where you're going to have to carry the ball 290 yards to, to clear it, and then you're going to get a pretty distinct advantage. And kind of kind of similar to the way we saw um, Bryson at Wingfoot, you know, I think that if you're one yard off the fairway or if you're 20 yards off the fairway it's going to make very little difference in terms of the difficulty of rough that you're going to face and I think that you're going to be better to place the ball further down um, close to the, the green um, if you are going to be missing these pretty narrow targets so um, I, I do think that, that it's really going to be a, a bomber's paradise you, you're going to need to be long off the tee I think that's going to be a big advantage this year um, compared to previous years where, you're going to have, where you would have had to perhaps have been a bit more positional Right, let's um, uh, look at um, <clears throat> some of the other players. Uh, you, you mentioned Rahm and Scheffler, and uh, of course they've just got that uh, big match temperament, there's no doubt about that. Scheffler had an opportunity to win the Byron Nelson and faded in the last round. Do you make much out of that going forward? He d- he did, yeah. Look, he I think he actually really faded in the third round. That was really the one that did him in. I mean, he, he shot a 71, I believe, in the third round um, last week, and on a course as easy as as Craig Range, where it's really just a, a birdie fiesta. Um, I mean, the the third round played three under par, and he shot even par. So, um, that was really where it, it put pay to his chances. Um, I mean, he he still shot 
five under in the the final round, which wasn't wasn't absolutely dreadful by any means. Um, it was just the the case of in the a beauty fest and where it sort of became a bit of a putting contest across those last two rounds. Um, you know, it, it put him in a position where he had to go out and try and shoot a 62, which is you know incredibly difficult to just do on command. So, um, look, I I think. For Scheffler, what we've seen from him is just incredible consistency, tee to green. His approach playing ball striking is is uh, on par with John Rahm is in the best of the world at the moment, and that's going to go a long, long way. Um, where he really lost strokes was um, in the putting department. You know, he was just even to the the field in terms of putting. So to only finish three three shots off um, Jason. Jason Day last week um, and not be gaining any strokes with the putter actually is very promising because if he can find any sort of semblance of form with the putter, um, which he we know he's akin to do, um, then I think he's a very good chance. These are now being changed to pure bent grass greens as well, so the same sort of grass type that you'd see at um, Augusta and we've seen what um, Sheffield's been able to do on that grass type before. All right, um, Jordan Spieth heading for a career slam uh, and he's this one. What chance? Uh, very little, I think. I, I'd be surprised, to be honest, if he um, if he plays. Um, he did suffer a wrist injury, and that's been um, pretty well documented. So um, he sort of said in his release that he was experiencing severe pain in his wrist, that he was week to week, and so those were sort of key phrases. I, I picked out of his press release that you know when you started starting to say week to week rather than day to day and using the word severe and pain um, that's all red flags for me so I think unfortunately um, um, you know because he, he's, he's been in great form this year and it, it could have been a, a really good opportunity for him um, I think that just given those injury concerns I'm a little worried about how he may perform. Terrific form for Jason Day I mean uh, it looked as if uh, a win wasn't too far away because he's been so consistent uh, in most of the tournaments he's played in. He wins the Byron Nelson. He's the 2015 champion of this event. Any chance? Yeah, I think I think Jason Day's got a got a great opportunity to go back to back. You know, it's 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 funny because golf is one of those rare sports where you win the week before and people start looking at it and going like, oh, can he really win the next tournament the next week? Um, it's kind of a. a almost a reverse psychology as if if Jason Day had finished sort of third last week we'd almost give him more chance of winning the week after which is um, just quite strange but um, look Jason Jason Day is one of six players that over the last six months has gained over um, two strokes on average per round um, in the last six months to, to the rest of the PGA Tours so he really is playing at a level um, within the top 10 of the world at the moment and so it was no surprise to see him get the victory last week at all um, he's kind of been trending in a, and I mentioned that to you a um, couple mm. couple weeks ago um, in terms of the list of players I thought Jason Day had a very very good chance um, so yeah look it was no surprise to get him to win it was obviously an emotional comeback for him and it was really pleasing to see you know he's sort of become a more popular hero as a, as a result of the struggles he's had over the last um, few years and what we're really seeing with Jason Day which has been really promising is that even when he was going through his incredibly hot stretch in 2015, 2016, when he was number one in the world, you know, a lot of that was to do with his short game. A lot of it was to do with his chipping and his putting. And the weakest part of his game was um, his approach play, which when you're when you're competing at that kind of level, um, is very, very hard to, to maintain in that sort of um, standard. So he's obviously suffered back injuries, taken a long time to recover, and reinvented his swing totally with his coach. And, 
as he's done that, his approach play has really, really improved um, to a level that it's one of the best in the game now, and that's incredibly promising. That was one of the key signs that I saw in terms of the turnaround of his form, um, especially in the, the fall of last year um, for the, the US season. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's a very, very good chance. Um, his his driving still um, long enough to get the job done. He's very accurate, um, but his long lines in particular are very, very impressive, which I think is going to be a real asset for him around this course. David Bileski is with us, folks. Uh, you can get to David at Deep Dive Golf on uh, Twitter. This man knows exactly what he's talking about. He does his homework and he tips out uh, some relatively good numbers as well, I think it's fair to say, in our time of knowing him. Uh, David, um, of interest to me also, uh, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley. I look at Xander Shoffley and I just wonder, has he really got the, the means? Is it, I mean, and when I mean the means, does he have it mentally tough? going down the stretch I look at his body language and I think to myself sometimes uh, I hesitate to use the word insipid but he just doesn't look as strong as some yeah it's a struggle with with Sandra isn't it because he's had this very very strange career I mean his last last um, six tournaments he's finished second fourth fourth tenth at the Masters um, he was in the, the quarterfinals of the match play and then 19th at the Players' Championship. So by all means, you look at those results and you just think, wow, this you know this is golf for his training. He's got a great chance. He's consistently performing at these really high-profile events. Um, but he just always struggles to get it done during, uh, down the stretch. And we, we saw it turn a little bit last year. We um, four victories in pretty close succession. So he won the Scottish Open, the Travellers' Championship, he won the Zurich Classic with um, Patrick Cantlay and then he won the, the John McManus um, Pro-Am which essentially is, is this incredibly strong field even though it's a, a Pro-Am amateur event. Um, so yeah, it, it just it is it is baffling that, that the mental side for, for Xander doesn't seem like he's got that um, sort of killer instinct that you perhaps need at some of these tournaments. But what I, what I would say with Xander is that he perhaps prefers a sterner test of like this that we're going to see this week where it is an all-round test of game where it is going to play a bit more difficult. I, I think that he's going to perform better at that sort of spot. I, but I do, I share those same concerns that you do, whether he really has the metal down, going down the stretch under pressure to, to get the job done. Um, look, maybe this is the moment he breaks out. He's got plenty of top 10s and other majors around the world. So, um, you know, if he, if he does get the job done, all powers him and you might see him um, rattle off a few in quick succession if he ever does do that. David, um, Live Golf, of course, uh, is part of uh, the majors because if you're a defending champion or if you've got a golf ranking uh, high enough, uh, you're invited. Uh, and that is the case again for uh, a number of them. But uh, the best candidate last time round was Brooks Kepka, who fell, uh, it seemed, just ran out of gas, ran out of something in the, the last round at Augusta. Um, how do you see um, a Live Golfer possibly in this event? Yeah, again, it's it's very, very tough to see what sort of form they're in because we just get so little statistics out of the Live Golf League. They've just really not um, put any time or effort into recording what's happening out there on the golf course. Um, I, I do think it gives a, a reasonable chance. Again, we know his ability to turn up at these majors. And um, as I said, if this is going to play kind of similar to be a page black, well, that's actually... The 
the, the majors that Brooks Kepler won. So um, I think that he's a reasonable chance. I think Dustin Johnson coming in also has the credentials to win this type of tournament. Um, he's plenty long off the tee, and he's great with his long irons as well. Again, it's just very, very hard to gauge how they're going to do in those pressure tournaments. So um, I, I do expect, again, that we're going to see a few of them towards the top of the leaderboard. Um, they essentially have to because this is one of the best opportunities that they have to earn world ranking points at the moment. So um, performing at this to- sort of event not only is the incentive in major, but one to kind of stick it to the PGA Tour and a chance to, to earn some live golf, uh, some world golf points so that they can actually um, stay relevant and keep competing in these type of events. Have you got a, I mean, we, we've got to go to your, your website to get the real gen, obviously, at Deep Dive Golf, but have you got a, have you got a smoky? Is there a Kiwi amongst your smokies too in the field? Look, I, I think that Ryan Fox has got a decent chance because we know that he's, he's plenty long off the tee and his approach play is is fantastic. Um, so we know that that he's got some of those credentials that are going to be key around here, and I think he's um, he's worth a flutter at some of those longer prices. But um, I'll go back to the winner that we took two weeks ago, which was Wyndham Clark. Um, so we gave him away at um, seventy-five to one when he got the job done over at the Wells Fargo oh. Championship, and I think that he's uh, he's another roughie that you can still get at 80, eighty to one here. He's plenty long off the tee. His approach plays um, improved a lot, and he's got a very very good short game. So I think in terms of a long shot. He'll be um, one of the leading lights to see. And I think Tony Finau's a, a very good chance as well. I think it's only a matter of time before we see him get the job done at a major as well. Well, David, it's it's always fantastic. We love chatting to you prior to um, any golfing event, but the majors in particular. So uh, this weekend, uh, a compulsive viewing um, on uh, Sky Television will be the PGA Championship. Uh, it makes it just that little bit much more fun if you have just a little flutter on it. Uh, over a period of time. David, uh, thank you very much uh, for your guidance again this morning. Um, We'll catch up again uh, very shortly as these majors start to roll around a bit more quickly. Cheers, man. Thank you. Thanks, Mindy. Have a good one. Yeah, have a good one, man. Uh, David Bolesky there, folks. Uh, He is uh, the golf tipping wizard at Deep Dive Golf on Twitter. Follow David. you got a chance. I can promise you that. It's 10.21. We'll be back shortly. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, if we were handing out MVP for best all-rounder, we'd give it to Kevin in terms of uh, the text uh, machine, Kevin from Titarangi, because he comes in on so many different subjects. For instance, this morning, here's a couple. Kevin has said, Smithy, how good are Manchester City? They're just relentless. Arsenal starting to look over their shoulder um, and the blue colour entered their heads uh, as soon as they did. Just absolutely brilliant. They are ruthless. Uh, Kevin, of course, uh, they've got uh, a very important date with Real Madrid in a couple of mornings' time. We'll uh, talk more about that closer to the event. But uh, Kevin's also come in and said, look, I watched the Reds versus the Chiefs game. The way the Reds played, they deserved to win because... Brad Thorne came with a great game plan and it worked. Also, they hold on to the ball. How many times did McKenzie kick? More than 12. You don't score tries kicking and James O'Connor would be the most active 12 going around at the present time. He's into absolutely everything on the coaching uh, side of things. Uh, Brad Thorne is free in seven weeks. And yes, double eight, double three. Give us some uh, left field candidates if you like. I mean, it's a it's a reality. It has to happen. It's a lay down mazir. We've got to find at least three super coaches. There is a possibility we might have to find five. 
Um, I would imagine Clark Dermody will get a second crack at it. I would think so. But it is uh, not acceptable um, for the Highlanders and their fans that at this stage they're not going to be making the playoffs. Uh, that is, um, it's going to be very tough uh, for them to do that. that. That is just, I won't say inconceivable, but it's very unusual to think about that. Therefore, they've underperformed quite markedly. They've brought in overseas players, uh, Freddie Burns. They've brought in coaching staff from uh, around the world. They've had consultation uh, from the likes of Chris Boyd. So it seems they've had as much help. Uh, but, Louis, it has been uh, a very poor story down there in the Deep South. And uh, so on double eight, double three, give us some names. Who are going to fill all these super rugby coaching spots? They'll need assistant coaches as well. They certainly will. Uh, just being in that part of the world last week, Smithy, I'd say the most disappointing thing for the Highlanders organisation would be the big A word. Apathy. Punters are not even concerned because they can't watch it. They can't bear to watch it. They don't care anymore. You know that when you're getting into that stage, it's not great. I'm not talking for every Highlanders fan. I'm just generalising. And, and I think that's what I felt down there is how could you sit through a season that when you had so many aspirations and look, they don't have the cattle. We're not pretending like they do, but they've got to be better than this. And as far as Kevin's text around Brad Thorne and the game plan executed, how, how passionate and how invested did Brad Thorne look on Friday night? I thought he was loving every second of it. Now, we have spoken about this and... Actually, with was it with Timmy Horan a wee while ago, and and he said that he's he's been doing it for a long time, so he might not be keen to jump back into another coaching job. But these Super Rugby coaching jobs don't come around. The New Zealand ones don't come around all that often, Smithy. Uh, we've often talked about the Crusaders, and uh, that's part of your neck of the woods, obviously, and the way that they absolutely look to invest in um, their people, their people. Now, Brad Thorne is one of their people down there, one of your people. They love that. They absolutely love it. So um, I would be thinking, uh, I, would, I would be thinking the question's been asked. Surely the question has been asked whether he would like to move up a step with uh, a higher grade of, of player to work with and just test, test himself. I mean, such a young guy. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, uh, since he's announced, Brad Thorne, ironically, since he's announced that he's parting, his, parting ways with the Reds, they've actually played some damn good rugby. Um, it's like, you know, he's just thrown caution to the wind and said, what the hell? Um, you know, let's just get on with it. So uh, it's, a, it's an interesting set of circumstances, but he's got to be in there. Uh, you know, just uh, one that's just come through. Colin Cooper is coaching club rugby in Taranaki. Does he become an option if he became available? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. We're, we're, do New Zealand rugby think uh, going back is going forward? I mean, mm. do they think uh, Colin Cooper had his uh, crack? Do they think... Well, yeah, it would be nice. We think he could do a great job, but is it a step forward in terms of progression of our coaches, in terms of the progression of our game? So there's that different category of people who I'm sure are still young enough and able enough to be coaching super sides with their experience, but do they go backwards? Is that a, what they call a, what a retrograde step? Um, how about, um, yeah, it's interesting. So we'll keep an eye on that. Actually, uh, what we're going to do now, folks, is we're going to play uh, Stumps with the an hour early because we've got Ag Insights today with Araha. Uh, bang on 11.30. Come to your official home for the 2023 Rugby World Cup with live commentary of all the big games from September 9 on SENZ. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Oh, and isn't he, isn't he? It is that time of morning for... 
uh, stumped by Smithy. However, myself and Louis are unsure how this one is going to go down. Smithy, would you like to enlighten us? Right, how it's going to go down. I'm going to be um, in the hot seat today, right? That's what's going to happen. There we um, go. Brian, I don't care. Either of you two can ask the questions. I don't really um, mind. Louis, you can ask the questions, okay? So the questions will be coming from Christchurch uh, through Auckland back down to Hawke's Bay. <laughs> That's how it's going to work. And we have to have a guest from somewhere around the country as well. So uh, let's, uh, Brian, who, who have we got lined up today? Rob? From Gore, this is Louis, by the way. Rob from Gore has lined up to go first and foremost to take on the Doyen. Morning, Rob. Morning, boys. How are we? Yeah, we're pretty good. Uh, but uh, but chilly down there this morning. Chilly up north. Ah, oh, no, man. Balmy, seven degrees. Beautiful sunny day. Terrific. Just fantastic. Jealous. Absolutely jealous, Rob. Uh, right. <laughs> if we could say to you, Rob, what questions would you like? Or what subject would you like? What would you pick? Uh, NRL, mate, all day. It's NRL. Just, yeah, NRL, I'll, I'll NRL all day. Until I get an NRL set. Okay, Louis, what's he got? Uh, no, no NRL, unfortunately, Rob. Yeah. So you, you keep trying. No, I mean, don't rule yourself out today, but you just keep trying after this. Uh, your topics are basketball, football, and or golf. Well, actually, all golf. One of them, please. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I'll go for um, I'll go for golf. Why not? Yeah, I like that, Rob. Take him on in his own game. Actually, because you've been listening to SNZ throughout the morning, and you just heard our Wizard of Tipping, David B. You're going to get this right. Manifesting well, this for I you, only- Rob. I only caught the back end of that, which I was gutted about. I got the Tony Finau. I didn't get his $70 one that he got home the other day, and I was actually going to ask you boys about that, but I guess I'm going to find out. Well, I think that was Wyndham. I think that was Mr. Wyndham. Um, but anyway, to start you off, you're going to have to think back to this time last year. The PGA Championship 2023 tees off this week in New, yep, New York. Who won the tournament in 2022, Rob? Come on. Oh. Um, feel like it was. Oh, what's his handle? You miss he hits here. I promise you. It was either Schiffler or Thomas. Um, oh, no, I think Schiffler was the was the US. Oh, I'm gonna go Justin Thomas. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. No, you've you've got it right. That's correct. Oh, that was a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Smithy, you you had that covered, didn't you? I got both. Had JT covered. I've got to say, we did have JT covered here. I think that's his last win, actually. So he's looking to turn around a 12-month drought this week at uh, Oak Hill. Right, one to you. One to you, Rob. Question two. How many Kiwis are set to start in this year's PGA Championship. Oh, this is very answerable. Oh, you'd... I'd think it'd just be the two, Danny Lee and Ryan Fox. Um, I can't think of anyone else unless they have an exemption. I'm just going to lock in two, please. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. 
so, amazing. Louis, Louis, tell him so, that. Tell him how, 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 how damn lucky he's been this time. <laughs> so you're right. <laughs> so you're right. One gummy so, anyway. Unfortunately, and you know this is the the, the madness of the uh, world golf rankings, isn't it? He's you know he's a recent tournament winner, Danny Lee, but he's allegedly not getting a start here. But you were right because oh. our, our man our man Stephen Elk is getting a start, Smithy. <laughs> yeah, so Stephen Elk Stephen Elk qualifies due to his uh, fine performance um, on the Charles Schwab Tour last year, oh, winning it. So he qualifies, and of course Ryan Fox. So you got a half of it right, but you got all of it right in the end. So. Okay. Now, two and O, two and O with question three to come. Okay, uh, yeah. Lock in here, lock in here. Think hard, Rob. All right, Ryan Fox. Right he's just become a dad two times over. He's back on a plane and he's got a chance. And and our man David's tipping him, specking him at odds. What is his current official world golf? Ranking. Oh, he. Oh, I heard this. Um, Five. He's, he's four. Forty. It was. Is he the thirty or forty? No, you want one of five. the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket Damn. field. Damn it. He was Ian. as high as thirty-five. It? He was as high as thirty-five. I know that, but he hasn't. Um, he's been playing in pretty high-profile events. Uh, he did okay at the Masters. Um, I'm not quite sure he has not played for the last couple of weeks because of uh, paternal duties, shall we say. And I'm thinking, an illness, uh, I'm thinking to myself, uh, he might have slipped a bit lower than 35. I'm going to go 42 in the world. Number 42 in the world. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket Ooh. field. Well, we've got one genius in Gore. We've got another genius in Hawke's Bay. And if... You split their answers, you get 41. 41. <laughs> oh, my God. 41. 41. I knew he was 35 at one point. That's uh, given them all that uh, access to all the tournaments. But 31. Yeah, I knew he'd slipped a couple because he hadn't, just hasn't played. Oh, my God, Rob. Um, you're a winner. You got two what out of three, but you won the... F- you won the fifty. You won the fifty bucks, man. Oh man! So I got it wrong. Yeah, I got it wrong. It is the it's the greatest and stupidest game in the world that we invented. But here it is. You you are the winner. So oh, thanks very much. You stay on the line in your seven degree balmy day, and uh, Brian will get on uh, your details from you, and we'll get that money to you as soon as possible, man. Have a terrific day. Appreciate it, lads. Have a good one. Yeah, you cheers, missed. Rob, uh, well, and so did he. I know. I missed. I missed. He missed. I missed. Uh, why much? Uh, that was very interesting. Right. Okay, let's uh, take a, a short break again, take stock of uh, everything we've got here. Uh, come back and, Louis, uh, we might focus on uh, a little bit of uh, racing, uh, as mm-hmm. we've missed it for the last couple of days, and then we'll get to uh, hopefully pops from the TAB on what's available today uh, on the TAB sports betting market in particular. 10.40. If you're feeling a bit flat, that's okay. Come and join Izzy and me each morning from six, and I'm sure you'll find a reason to laugh. Oh, shit, that's funny. It's Kiwi for the Rugby World Cup. Thanks to the SCNZ app, I've been tuning in at all hours of the day. From Izzy to Ricardo, what a roster we have on SCNZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. All right, 10.46 uh, here on SENZ. I must confess, I've been in the Waikato region over the weekend and uh, I think I'll be turning up to Tarapa uh, where it's a uh, pretty good jumps day and uh, might get to see the Cossack in action personally. So looking forward to that uh, with a bit of Hawks Bay ownership. So that is on the agenda, Louis, for me this weekend. But in terms of the racing agenda, how does the week stack up and what was your highlight of the weekend? We haven't had a chance to chat about that. Yeah, interesting, Smithy. You're off to the Rangitiki Gold Cup day, are you? Oh, no, that's at Aupuni. Sorry, that's of course yeah. at Aupuni. Uh, you're off to the jumps at Tarapa. That'll be a good day out, actually, Cossack. What a wonderful horse he is. Yeah, looking forward to that. So, um, yeah, that that's on the agenda, certainly is. Nice, okay. Um, over the weekend, well, we had a good day on the Goodwill. It was good to be back with Stixy, Sticko, Stephen McKee, and uh, Mark Clayton, Clado. So that was fun. And we had an up and down day on the punt. We we found a, a net, enough winners. Um, Taranaki had a good day. Obviously, the racing was at New Plymouth. And Al Sharrick, you heard Tony Kemp last week tipping out this two-year-old to half of Australasia. So he piled the pressure on the shake, and the shake delivered along with his two-year-old. Um, was very, very impressive in the end. So the two-year-old we're talking about here, of course, is named Carbonados. Carbonados? Yep. One of these yep. One of these phrasings will, will work if we just say enough of them. Uh, very smart. This will be a nice three-year-old. He looks like he's got a bit of scope about them, uh, the, the Bilardo. So good one to follow there. And um, as I say, Taranaki had a good day. The local trainers managed to... Nab a few. Um, one bold cat beat Just Ask Me in the Open 1400. One bold cat, you'd suspect, will be off for Robbie Patterson with some of his, including, I would suspect, contribute to Brisbane. So we're into the kind of Queensland carnival. And I'd say they'll be sneaking a couple of those up there. Oso Savvy was huge, defeating LJ uh, at New Plymouth as well. And then back across the, the island at, um, where were they? Rotorua, we had, well, Andrew Forsman. He might have got his first training win in solo this race last year with Francesca. Well, Wessex, the filly, she just jumped to the lead for Cosi Asano, put a hole in them, and on the prowl, and Sumi, who I uh, was tipping out on an each-way basis last week, could only run into third. So Wessex kind of broke their hearts for Cosi and Andrew Forsman, and um, Andrew obviously had Mr Mojo rising who ran a pretty decent fifth over the ditch in Australia at Flemington as well. So very much a dual Tasman operation for him in the weekend. Poser for Tegan Newman, Curtis Pertab, who does a pretty decent job for a a young trainer, uh, won the Rotorua Cup as well. So I know it's a great story for Tegan, who who recently thought up, how's this, Smithy? Giving up being a jockey to go and be a minor in Western Australia. Seriously? To be a minor? There's money to be made. Uh, it's a pretty tough job, and uh, you a bit remote in that, and it's a long way from home, but that, that's interesting. A minor. Okay, cool. Right, uh, okay, so, yeah, so I'm looking at uh, the Waikato steeplechase, the Waikato hurdle, so I'm um, looking forward to those prospects. We'll talk more about that as the week goes on. Um, we need to talk to uh, Brendan Popperwell uh, from the TAB to work out what's um, on offer today. Might have some early odds too for the PGA Championship. So I think uh, we'll do that next and uh, come back with a couple of texts as well. Some ideas floating in on uh, coaches for Super Rugby, which is cool. The SCNZ app. 
download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. anytime. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, just hearing those sentiments from uh, Andy Leslie about uh, former teammate Bruce Robertson. Bruce Robertson, of course, Hastings Boys High School. Brendan Popperwell joins us now, uh, a product of St John's College in uh, Hastings as well. Um, Pops, uh, good morning to you. You'd be uh, way too young to remember Bruce Robertson, surely. I am, Smith. But yes, I'm very aware of Bruce Robertson and... and Whoops, we might have a bad line with uh, Pops this morning. Sorry, Pops, we might have to either get you to call back, hang up and call back, and um, uh, or have we got you... Yeah, no, we've, we'll, we'll try again, I think, with Pops and see if we can get it a little bit clearer um, because um, whilst there's... Uh, oh, OK, Pops, you're, you're, still, you're still there, man. Sorry. Yes, you got me now, Smithy? You got your Latin key, man. Yeah, cool. Yeah, sorry about that, mate. Just in a, a dark spot here at home. Um, yes, I heard what you said there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a little bit too young, but I do follow my All Black history and very aware of Bruce Robinson and his deeds that he did for the All Blacks. So, yeah, it was a pretty sad part to hear that over the weekend. It was. Um, yep. PGA Championship, I know you were... Oh, actually, before yeah. we touch on that, got a little bit disappointing news for you, Smith. You were talking about wanting to come up to see the Waikato Hurdles. That's another month away. Uh, it's on the 17th oh, of June. You won't see any jumps racing tomorrow, uh, on Saturday. Oh God! I thought it was going. I thought that's the reason I was coming up. I'm up there anyway. Uh, will will he? Will you even be on deck? I thought that was um, this weekend. No, mate. No, they moved it last year to, to the to uh, June. So um, oh, you'll still have a good God. day to okay. enjoy, but you just won't see. You won't see the Cossack. I won't be seeing the Cossack. Oh well, it's a no. bummer. Hey, there's a there's uh, a de- we... decent maiden twelve hundred there, Smithy, for fifteen grand. Um, <laughs> so you'll find something to punt on, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Louis. Hi, Louis. Um, oh. PJ Championship. Touch on that. John Rahm, really well favoured, eight dollars and fifty cents to win the PJ Championship. What about this though? Ryan Fox. That'll be the story. Uh, always getting well played in these majors. We've had over ten uh, percent of our outright bets on Ryan Fox at two hundred to one. Scotty Scheffler at eight fifty. Cameron Smith. We always see movement in Cameron Smith's market. He's at twenty nine dollars. McElroy at $13. There's still believers out there that he can get another major. And as I said, John Rahm uh, also well supported. We better touch on the basketball tomorrow too. Out west, the Nuggets and the Lakers. Uh, really strong support for the Lakers in game one. They're 285. They hold 64% uh, of the head-to-head market. And they're also favoured to win the conference. They are the outsiders to win the conference at 227. And it's a bad result. And of course, if we go east, the Miami Heat, they're well supported to win game one against the Celtics. Our 360 outsiders have taken 65% of our hold on that market so far on the Miami Heat. But the Boston Celtics are favoured to win the conference very heavily at $1.14. OK, Pops, uh, I can put my tweed jacket away with my cravat um, because that's traditional. And uh, that's traditional jumps uh, attire. Um, and my yes. cheese cutter, and I think I'll just put the norm on if it's just a normal meeting. <laughs> you got it, mate. You got it. Okay. <laughs> I will give you, I'll I... give you a little bit of help, Smithy. Uh, King's birthday on the Monday. There will be jumps racing at Hawks Bay. You can tune in for that on the, I think it's around the 2nd of June. 
Good on you, mate. Okay, uh, Brendan Popple there fixing me up uh, well and truly on uh, my racing knowledge of what's coming up this weekend. Uh, I'll take that on uh, the chin. Uh, right, uh, here's a couple of texts as well, just as we here finish this hour. Uh, hey, Smithy, maybe that's why Brad Thorne said he could not do any more for the Queensland Reds. Canary would be a great fit, especially after playing for the man. Uh, opportunity, watch this space, I say. Come on, Harry Kane. Well, Harry Kane has not made his decision that he's going to go to Manchester United, uh, Joey. All right, can we just can we just leave that one, Joey? Can we stop? Uh, I mean, he has he's still with the Spurs. The season's not even over, not even over. And you guys haven't guaranteed yourself a spot in the Champions League either. So don't get so chipper yet, so to speak. Uh, Simon says, "Morning, Louis and Ian. What about Aaron Major for the Crusaders coach? Fails? Um, well, I don't say fails, but he's done the setup work to get Moana Pacifica." Underway, but wouldn't have had the results that he was hoping for. I, I think it's fair to say. Uh, what about that? Well, this is uh, room for a bit of conjecture uh, in the next hour as well. We're going to start talking uh, the next hour though with Mike Gray, he's the general manager of Go Media. And why we're we talking to him? Because next time you go to Mount Smart to watch the Warriors, you'll be going to Go Media Stadium. Yes, you will. Go Media, Media Stadium. We'll talk more about that very shortly here on SENZ. Welcome to your official home for the 2023 Rugby World Cup with live commentary of all the big games from September 9 on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it is a stadium we all know very well. In fact, we're loving it this year because it's the Warriors' home ground. Uh, it's seen some uh, other codes uh, of action this year, and it's going to see an all-black test match uh, not too far away too. Um, but uh, as of next Monday, it will have a new name. Uh, we're talking about Mount Smart here. It will become uh, Go Media Stadium. Mount Smart, is, uh, well, you'll be hearing Sam Hewitt and Tony Kemp bellowing out when they broadcast the Warriors games after signing of a commercial naming rights agreement between Auckland Stadiums and the Kiwi Outdoor Advertising Company, Go Media. The initial naming rights period is for one year, but if you look at Go Media's deep and passionate track record of sports sponsorship in New Zealand, there's a fair chance it'll be attached to Mount Smart for longer than that. Mike Gray is the Managing Director of uh, Go Media, Morning, Mike. Uh, thanks very much for your time on the show. Uh, uh, we have uh, met before, of course, in a, a more social environment, shall I say, than this one. Uh, but good to chat to you again. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It was a lovely introduction. And, um, mate, growing up as a kid, you were one of my idols, so it's, uh, it's a real privilege to talk Ooh. to you. Gosh, you might be a bit older than I remember. Uh, here's the thing. Um, Mike, let's move on to um, uh, the business at hand because it's big business. When we, we changed the name of an iconic stadium, and we've done this around the country uh, in the past on, on many occasions, um, people sit up and yep. take notice and say, Righty, tell us a wee bit about this company. So Go Media, tell us about Go Media, Mike. Well, look, I've been, um, I've been in the out-of-home game for 29 years. as one of the pioneers. Um, there's only one person that's been doing it longer than me and um, it's my second time around, second company and it started uh, about 15 years ago one thing I learned from my first company was that if you can amalgamate uh, other businesses you can create a, a scale up quickly and, and create value so with my business partner Dean Sean, he, he had a big company in the lower South Island uh, North Island, sorry, so we, we combined forces uh, to create Go Media, 
and, and that was really the making of our business. Um, but as a philosophy, we back New Zealand and New Zealanders like no other. So across sport, you know, we're, we sponsor every Super Rugby franchise, men and women, uh, 15 provincial unions, uh, you know, New Zealand football, Netball New Zealand, New Zealand Athletics, New Zealand Special Olympics at a, at a, at a national level, but we're, we're grassroots, so we're Waiheke United as well. Uh, Wellington Phoenix, um, all the cricket um, associations, men and women's teams, uh, you know, we're in the back of the North Harbour women's team, for example, as well. Basketball, with Go Media Saints. Um, and it's just like, you name it, we're there. So our philosophy is you get what you give. And we want to be part of every community. So in, so in every uh, community around New Zealand, we have a presence while we're back in the, the community. Not just sport, art as well, music, culture, comedy. So it's just a philosophical thing that, Let's just be part of the community. Let's be at the heart of and centre of everything. So, we sponsor Minor Pacifica. You know, we're a partner of the Warriors Community Trust. You know, they're at, they're playing at a stadium now that has our name. So instead of putting other brands up in lights like we do for for our advertisers, let's put our own name up in lights. Okay, so we're talking massive amounts of money here with the list that you've just reeled off to us. Mike, where does, how does all the funding, how does it go about for the uninitiated? How does, how does this come uh, to, and end up where it does? Well, we're, we're essentially a marketing business, so you know, we strike commercial arrangements where, where, where we can enable the, the, the franchise to promote their games, memberships, uh, things that are happening, community tags, whatever it is. So we, get, we, we allow, you know, say minor pacificates, we help them tell the story and talk to their audience in the way they want to talk. So if you imagine that the, yeah, the arrangements involve money, but they, they involve a- advertising as well, we then get benefits of, you know, our signage appears in the, in the TV arc. You might see our, our logo on the uniform. Uh, we get to host the events. Uh, we, players' rights. You know, so recently we just had the, the Blues and the Mystics do a beach clean with Sustainable Coastlines, who's... One of our um, benefactors of our Good Impressions program, which is a, it's a, it's where we help um, charities uh, like Mike King's Eye and Hope. We, we we our advertisers get to gift them campaigns um, when they spend with us, and so we have a whole other outside of sport and arts. We have a whole other program of how we help businesses, um, and so the Warriors Community Trust, for example, they are taking they're trying to help with mental well-being with with children in primary school and secondary schools. And one of our values is um, the, you know, the uplifting of all, but mental well-being is a key pillar in our Good Impressions program. So where we have value alignment, that's what we're looking for. And how can we add value to them so we can help the Warriors Community Trust tell uh, Tamaki Makoto in Auckland and everywhere else in the country what they're doing in this space. Um, you know, they're, they're helping uh, uh, wheelchair players, you know, start playing rugby league, uh, so wheelchair league, and you know, give it a go. And so for us, it's like, oh, now I can help you know, giving it a go, a real go, if you know what I mean. Right. Uh, that's fascinating, actually. I'm, uh, this is very, very intriguing. Um, tell us about the relationship now. I mean, do, how far back did you think about putting your name to an iconic stadium, and how, how did this come about? Did, for instance, did the, did the Warriors' high profile have any influence in you making this call now? Yeah, totally. Look, you know they're on fire at the moment. Everyone loves the team when they're winning. Um, 
when we, when we actually did the ribbon cutting ceremony yesterday, I told a story. I was at, I was at the very first Warriors game. There's the Broncos. And I was actually in the pre-match entertainment. And uh, they'd done this big, you know, war, war scene and there's things blowing up and all that. And I just happened to be, be in it by chance because I was, I was staying with a family who were involved. And they said, oh, come along. So I was telling the story of how I, I didn't actually know what was happening. And I was running in, into all the wrong places. And then something would blow up. And then I'd have to turn around and run the other direction. And then something else would blow up. And, you know, I actually almost blew myself up because I didn't actually know what was happening. <laughs> So, you know, I, I was I was trying to tell the story. Well, my relationship with the stadium is, you know, I was at the very first Warriors game, and um, but that yes, that definitely helped. But how it came about is, you know, we we sponsor pretty much all the teams and all the venues in New Zealand, and but uh, for us, it was like, well, wouldn't it be cool if we could we could actually have the naming rights of the venue? And Mount Smart has the most content. Uh, of any stadium in, in New Zealand, and as you mentioned at the start, the All Blacks are playing there. So, you know, that was a huge draw card for us, as well as the Warriors and Moana Pacifica. And look, hopefully, an Auckland A League team can get up and running, and and then you know, hopefully, Mount Smart can be their home as well. So, then you've got the concert. So, you, you, when you start looking at it from that perspective, it's it's huge. But how it comes about is we've got a we've got a long-standing relationship with Auckland Stadiums, four years commercial arrangement. They said, can you help secure a naming partner? And I was like, yes. And so through all the conversations about you know, what was on offer and how it would work, the more I thought about it, the more I looked at it, I was like, I should do this deal. And, um, and so that's how it came about because I could see all the benefits we could get. And then it's actually quite complicated to get a naming rights partner because of conflict. So, you know, just say Spark wanted to take naming rights, well, that would work for the one NZ Warriors, you know, because there's competition. So, and then just say Steinager wanted to be a sponsor, well, that might be fine for New Zealand rugby, but for world rugby, that would be a conflict. So it's not actually an easy thing to do. So we're a very neutral brand. Um, we, we don't compete with anything that's going to be happening. Um, we work with promoters already on events that are coming, so there's a natural alignment there with concerts. And... Uh, and, you know, and because we go, we can say, go the Warriors and go Minor Pacifica, go the All Blacks. Are we uh, getting best use out of our stadiums? I look at Auckland in particular here, um, uh, and I, I look at perhaps uh, something like now uh, a North Harbour Stadium, which has lost the baseball aspects because uh, Tuatara weren't able to uh, stay afloat, as uh, I think, for want of a better phrase. Do we get enough benefit out of our stadiums, uh, in your opinion, Mike? I think the the everyone agrees there needs to be a, a solution for Auckland, right? And no one's quite sure what that is. Um, and you know, there's different people out there, say pushing a waterfront one. And I think everyone probably agrees that that some central, you know, stadium near the train station, near the CBD, is probably ultimately what needs to happen. Um, but that, that's going to all take time and, um, you know, at least five years. So the way I've looked at it is whatever that solution might be, it's going to take time to get there. So for me, Mount Smart is going to be, you know, a, a key stadium for Tamaki Makoto and it's going to be there at least five years. And because it has so much content, that's the one I should put my name on because 
you know, I'm going to be part of everything that happens there. So, you know, you've been to Melbourne. When you go there, the way they've set up their stadiums is, I think, you know, the way that ultimately Auckland probably wants to get to. Um, and, but that's all going to take time. And so I agree we've got to work out how we, you know, do things better, but that's, those conversations are having are happening right now, and I, I know that um, once we get the right solution, it will come into being. But that's it's just going to take time, like everything. Yeah, I, I, I'm just thinking uh, another one that comes to mind in Auckland too. It's a little bit more away from uh, the CBD that you were talking about, but it's it's right next to the motorway, and that of course is uh, Western Springs, which has been mooted for a lot of. Um, events, it's had concerts in the past it's had Speedway, there was talk of it uh, I mean it was home for the Blues for a while uh, I, I, you know, and I quite often wonder why it hasn't caught on out there, cricket looking at it too for uh, domestic cricket, even Test cricket, uh, there's another Auckland Stadium, you know, with which just seems to me to be uh, with a big question mark over it Yeah, look I'm, I'm, I'm aware of some of the um, potential uses for it and concepts going forward um, and I think, but I think that's all just part of the same conversation. Is is what is the best way to go forward? Um, and you know, right now, um, I, I don't know what that solution is. But I, you know, I, I think everyone agrees that we want, we just want the best stadium solution for Auckland. And and, and whether some of these other stadiums are surplus to use or or how it can how they can be used. You know, that's not for me to say, but I, I think, you know, we really want to get to that point where it's, it feels like a Melbourne. I think that's the ultimate goal, and I don't think anyone mm. disagree with that. Um, but, you know, uh, there's a new mayor in, in Auckland, and he's, he's about change, he's about improvement, he's about going forward, and I think that could be helpful right now. Do you have um, any involvement um, in terms of, of Go Media and in terms of the you managed you mentioned um, sorry you, you mentioned before a message with um, uh, an involvement with uh, New Zealand football? So the FIFA Women's World Cup. Does Go Media have an involvement there? Yes, <laughs> it's a lovely question because today we're actually announcing that we've become a, a official partner of the Ford Football Firms. Um, so official sponsor of the women's team. Um, football happens to be my passion as much as I love sport and rugby. Uh, I play football. I still play for Waikiki United <laughs> and the over 35s. And um, for me, uh, yeah, Winton Rufa, who's um, uh, someone I've sponsored for years, he's been training my son since he was five, and he's now got him into a club in Germany, in Bremen. Um, and wow. he's 17, so he's over there at the moment trying to become a professional player. And for me, one of my goals is to, is to help create career pathways for talented boys and girls. And so the FIFA Women's World Cup is going to be huge. It's going to be a massive tournament. And people don't realise how big it actually is globally, how big it will be. And that's going to inspire a generation of girls to want to play the game. And but so what, what I wanted to sort of help with is the career pathway. Because when I was a 10-year-old, seeing Winston Rufa putting this into the, the World Cup in 1982, that's what I wanted to do. But there wasn't a career pathway um, at the time that I could, could follow. 
So you've now got the Wellington Phoenix with the Air Academy, which is a great feeder, right? Um, you've just had Ben, ben Wayne move to Plymouth Argyle, thanks to David Ball, who's just one of the senior players, helping him get, get him over there. They've just qualified, um, you know, to move up to the championship, right? So now you've got him playing in the, the second, you know, best division in the UK. How fantastic is that? You've got Sapreet Singh, you know, who came through one of Wilson's academies. He's now in Germany. Um, you've got Chris Wood still at, you know, Premier League, hopefully Nottingham Forest stay up, you know, because I'd actually, I've got this idea that we bring Nottingham Forest to play at Go Media Mount Smart Stadium next year mm-hmm. to play the Wellington Phoenix and, and maybe an Auckland team. And wouldn't it be great if we could bring a Premier League team to, to, to Auckland to play two New Zealand teams that are in the A-League as a concept? So that's kind of how I think from the big picture. Um, and but, but going back to the FIFA Women's World Cup, it's how do, how do I help create career pathways for these you know, tens of thousands of girls who are 10 years old and go, I want to be like uh, the Ford football fans. I want to play professionally. And so there's a lot of content being produced at the moment coming out on Sky and on Google, telling the stories of these players of what they've, what they've had to do to become pros and how hard it's been because, let's be honest, it's harder to be a professional woman player than it is a man. A man. And, and whilst that's changing, it's fantastic that New Zealand cricket acknowledged that and now both teams get paid the same wages for the same job, right? That's, I mean, that's what a great world-leading stance. But... It is harder. And so when these children see the, the, the challenge that it's been for our professional players, and they're all playing around the world, a lot of them, but now you've got the Wellington Phoenix with a women's team, first professional women's team in the A-League, and there's lots of junior players in that, and then they get the call up to the, to the, to the four football firms as well. So there's a real sense of career pathway now. And then you have um, Sarai Barryman, who's a, you know, a Samoan woman, who's from the Pacific, you know, running women's football at the highest level, and you know she's going to be passionate about supporting the game in this part of the world. Um, so you've got that as well. So the opportunity for us, uh, and the way I see it with New Zealand football, is that yeah, we, we want to create um, career pathways that are, that are, that are meaningful. We are... These kids, because you know when there's a World Cup on, like just when the Black Ferns beat England, right? And there's a rematch of that. It's coming back to, to go medium out smart stadium yet, uh, later in the year. Like that was one of the greatest games of rugby I've ever seen, right? And so the FIFA Women's World Cup is going to be just like that. And I know that there's going to be tens of thousands of girls that are already playing the sport, or maybe they're thinking about playing. Or a playing that they had never thought it could be actually a career, and that's going to change for them. And so now we're building these blocks that didn't exist. You see, like Winton is a complete conundrum in terms of he he pretty much taught himself how to be really good. Then he found a coach just randomly in a park in Wellington, who was from the UK, and and, and he started training him just by chance. And so then Winton, you know, managed to go on to have a career in the Bundesliga and you know, win the European Cup Winners' Cup. It's an unbelievable story. But he, he managed to sort of do it by himself. You know, he had his older brother Shane, you know, who, who slept in a single bed in the other side of his room and he had a poster of Pele between the beds on the wall. So Pele was the inspiration. Shane 
you know, gave him the confidence. He meets a, a coach at a park by chance, and he just had the desire to get there. So he really led the way for us. And then you've got Chris Wood, who came through Winston's Academy as well. Then you've got Winston Reid. You had Ryan Nelson. You know, you've got um, Nassar Preet Singh, you know. And, and for my son, here he is, he's in, he's in Bremen. He's 17. He can't speak German. It's tough. He's homesick, you know. But he's playing at a level that's really high. And, and I know that even if he doesn't become a professional football player, he's getting life lessons that, you know, you just can't, you just can't learn that by going to school, mm. if you know what I mean. So, so that's my passion. Um, but I've also got a passion for sponsoring women's sport and uplifting the mama of, of, of the game for them across all codes. Um, so that's why I think the FIFA Women's World Cup is going to be so good for the sport, for our country, and, and for young girls. Totally enlightening, uh, Mike Gray, I've got to say. Um, and so uh, much information coming through there. Um, I now know uh, when I go to uh, Go Media Mount Smart Stadium uh, what Go Media is all about. Fantastic work you're doing. Um, could chat for hours, uh, it seems. Um, and we might come back to you about the possibility too of uh, a second uh, A-League team being based at Co Go Media Mount Smart Stadium at some stage in the a relatively near future. In the meantime, mate, uh, thanks so much uh, for coming on the show today and fill us, uh, filling us in. Congratulations on those naming rights. Uh, and we've all got to get used to saying it, and we will do from, uh, well, today really, but from Monday onwards. And, and that big announcement too uh, with women's football today. Congratulations on that. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, cheers. So Mike Gray there, folks, the Managing Director of Go Media. Uh, he's got a stadium, Louis. Uh, he's got a stadium. And, man, was that enlightening and informational. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> informational is the, the key word there, Smithy. I mean, that, that's a very fascinating man, isn't it? He kind of got his whole backstory and what he's passionate about. We need more passionate people in sport. I, think, I often think about this with uh, racing, just with my cap on, the, the sponsors not being able to – you can't keep the, the world ticking over of these commercial um, racing clubs and high-level performance without the sponsors. So I think they're probably almost the forgotten cog in the wheel just because they are commercial – but that doesn't mean they're any less lesser the part of, let's say, the product, you know? Mm, interesting. Very, very interesting. Right, uh, more on that um, at some stage, I'm sure. But yes, folks, so uh, next time you go to Mount Smart, you're going to go media Mount Smart Stadium. So uh, that uh, will uh, be of interest. There'll be signage up there, et cetera. And uh, we'll just uh, get used to say something different. I mean, it's the, the Chalo Basin Reserve. Uh, of course, mm -hmm. um, Forsyth Bar Stadium um, in uh, Dunedin. Uh, a lot of these places have got commercial names. Uh, it was uh, AMI Stadium, it was Jade Stadium uh, in Christchurch before the earthquake, of, of course. Orange Theory Stadium now um, in Christchurch is the uh, rugby facility there. There's so many of them as we head around the country. FMG Stadiums to burn. Um, Low Walker Stadium in Auckland there was uh, North Auckland there was, was for ages. So yes, um, Sky Stadium in Wellington, another one. Uh, so yeah, uh, after becoming after being Westpac for so long. So uh, now we uh, we know where the one New Zealand Warriors are based. It is uh, the Go Media Mount Smart Stadium. 
it is uh, coming up to 11.25. What we'll do is uh, we'll play some commercials ourselves, uh, go into the news with the Araha, and when we come out of the news, uh, we'll have some ag insights for you, courtesy of Collius. In fact, no, we won't have some ag insights. Brian's just telling me we won't be having any ag insights. Uh, Brian, what are we having? Surprise. We've got a surprise. Okay. A surprise. <laughs> a surprise. Well, it's live radio, folks. That's live broadcasting. Uh, I'm going to be surprised just like the rest of you. Hang around. We'll be back shortly. This has uh, just come pretty much hot off the wire from uh, the ICC Manager of Media and Communications. And they concern a few things that we will be uh, recognising uh, and watching on TV. Now, these come into effect from uh, the 1st of June 2023. Soft signal, you know, that's the one that the umpires uh, give when it comes to um, all those uh, particular contentious decisions and the umpires come together and you say, right, what do you really think? And they give a signal, either out or not out. Uh, umpires now will no longer be required to give a soft signal while referring decisions to the TV umpires. The on-field umpires will consult with the TV umpire before any decisions are taken. That is now going to happen in international cricket. Helmets, um, under that regard. Helmet protection will be mandatory, mandatory now in international cricket for the following high injury risk positions. When batters are facing fast bowlers, compulsory. When wicket keepers are standing up to the stumps, compulsory. And when fielders are close to the batter in front of the wicket, compulsory. So uh, what you thought uh, was probably... Uh, compulsory in the past now is it was optional I mean wicket keepers did not have to uh, wear helmets standing up to the stumps do now in those uh, close in positions and here's an interesting one as well runs off a free hit any runs scored off a free hit when the ball hits the stumps will count as runs scored to be consistent with all other runs scored from a free hit in other words we saw it during the T20 World Cup um, in Australia when the ball a free hit, uh, so batsman can't get out bowled, but the ball did actually cannon off, the, he was bowled cannon off the stumps, he wasn't given out but they weren't entitled to run off the stumps because it was deemed to be a dead ball and that was quite contentious in the match because it was quite a close match so in other words, uh, the ball is not dead anymore, if it cannons off the stumps and goes somewhere, you can run and get benefit from that and that was um, a real grey area so I'm, I'm pleased that I've tidied that up uh, Saurav Ganguly, a former Indian captain, an Indian administrator, uh, said soft signals have been discussed at previous cricket committee meetings over the last couple of years. The committee deliberated this at length and concluded that the soft signals were unnecessary and at times confusing since referrals of catches may seem inconclusive in replays. Uh, also, they discussed the player safety aspects, which he said are very, very important to us. So uh, there you go. Um, that's the situation there, Louis. Now, you uh, would have come up with uh, an interesting story you've heard about this morning. I have. I've, um, I actually was just scouring the web, as us radio producers tend to do, and your friends, our friends, Vossi and Brandy, 11.70am in Sydney on ECN, did the breakfast show over there, do a stellar job as well. They put up a poll. Should Cricket Australia sell off the Boxing Day test and New Year's test to the highest bidder? Yes, sell it off. No, keep it at the MCGCD. So naturally, I clicked on no, keep it at the MCGCD because I'm a half a traditionalist at the very least. And uh, 78% of people agreed with me and 
maybe you if you shared that opinion. But I was wondering what spawned that chat. And I went back listening to their show. And how about this for some news out of Australia? Uh, but fresh from announcing that the SCG cricket uh, isn't, the SCG isn't a guaranteed lock to host uh, the New Year's test beyond next year, Vossi. Cricket Australia has now announced that the MCG isn't guaranteed to host the Boxing Day test beyond next year as well. Now, Peter Roach, Cricket's head of scheduling, Cricket Australia's head of scheduling. Peter Roach, certainly not the uh, the brother of uh, Blocker Roach, and says a couple of things here that I, I don't know whether he's trying to confuse everyone, but this is his quote yesterday on scheduling. We think there is a great weight in historical matches because it drives that continued attendance and that continued support. But we haven't locked in any venue for future years. We look at it historically one year at a time. <laughs> what? <laughs> what a Absolute bunch of balls. garbage dribble is that? <laughs> oh, dribble. Like, is, no, he, is he trying to make himself sound smart so mm, the yes. average person can't understand what he's saying? Because... I don't know what he means. Like, what? what is he meaning, that bloke? Peter Roach. We look at it historically one year at a time. Um, mm. Let's yeah. just say they have rocks in their head if they are moving. And I'll, I'll, I'll go into bat for Melbourne here. The Boxing Day test yeah. is Melbourne. It's, it's, it's just it. You're not taking the Masters away from Augusta. You're not no. taking Wimbledon away from Wimbledon. You're not taking the Melbourne Cup away from Flemington anytime soon. No. You're not taking the Boxing Day test away from Melbourne. Come on! No, Come on! What, so Cricket Australia are open to offers, and if they get a better offer from, from one of the other venues around the country, they're going to take the Boxing Day test somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. play the Boxing Day test in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, making light, they're making light of it, but it's a very commercial and uh, interesting environment we live in with sport these days. Uh, so, I mean, on, you know, there's been so many things that have happened over the years to sporting events, and uh, you know, you look at um, the Super Bowl, you look at the World Series, you look at all these uh, events that um, they have their uh, particular venues set in concrete uh, from time to time, and then they don't, and it's a, a changing aspect. Look, no way, Jose. I mean, it's if it's if it's out of Melbourne, I'm not going. I can promise you that. I'm I'm old school, but and we know that uh, Melbourne is uh, when New Zealand is there uh, was uh, was a fantastic event. Apart from the fact that we played like crap, um, yeah. you know, um, we turned up in their droves, and it was really cool for the first day or so when we thought we might be in with a chance. After that, it ended very quickly, and we weren't. But I can tell you, the Melbourne Day experience, the Boxing Day itself, that day is unbelievable in terms of cricket. I can't, uh, I can't for one second think that Australia cricket would let that go from there. Where would it go within Australia? That go, It's not going to go to Tasmania, is it? Tassie. No. Could it go to the Gabba? No. I mean, some of these other states would dearly Optus. love to nick it. They, they'd love to steal. Optus and Perth. I mean, that, I mean, that is probably uh, a side of Australia... They would love that. That would be ka-ching, a massive ka-ching. victory. Yeah, mining and, money. Well, Tegan Newman and yeah. her mining money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Craig Hutchinson and his media money. Um, you know, it would be unbelievable to think that the Boxing Day test would leave the MCG. In fact, 
Uh, I just have to take an ad break here and take stock of that suggestion. I really do. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. That's 11.47 and that news has rocked a few people uh, around the world about the possibility of the MCG losing the Boxing Day Test Match. In fact, I think it's prompted Matthew from Northland to call. Matthew, good morning to you. Oh, good morning, Smithy. Yes, um, well, 1998 I paid $20 to join the queue to become a member. I'm currently now a restricted member of the MCG and I reckon about another five or six years I'll be a full member. And my sole reason for becoming a member is to be sitting in the member stand for an Ashes Boxing Day test. So I think there'll be a few other people. I think there's about 30,000 odd members. Bloody hell. I think there'll be a... No, it won't happen. No way. God, Matthew, I fear for you. I, I fear for you, my, my old mate, because when the dollars... You know what they're all saying is the dollar talks, but uh, honestly, if, if it talked to the extent that they'd lose an icon, uh, iconic event like that, I'd be very, very surprised. And I got the gist from Vossi and uh, Brandy that they thought probably it was um, it was a bit of a beat-up. But if that's the case, uh, that would be that would be terrible. Oh, uh, 100%. It's just... There's one of those things around the world, there's traditions. They're not, they're not going to move the Epsom Derby in England to Japan, are they? You know? Where do you stop? I don't know. Um, uh, anyway. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, Matthew, I'm, heading yeah. the, I'm heading to the, MC, I'm heading to the MCG uh, this weekend to watch a few AFL games. And, and um, so I'll get, some, I'll get some feeling on the ground because I know a few full members over there and just get what the feel is like over there. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, there'll be some angry people in the bar, and I've been to the members' bar, and I've been lucky enough to get invited in there, so there'll be some, there'll be some angry people in there for you to talk to, Matthew. Oh, yeah, there'll be burning pitchforks, mate, I tell you. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Uh, I, I think okay. if I, my first reaction is I think you're pretty safe, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to put everything on it, if you know what I mean. Uh, right, let's uh, have a, a look at a couple of texts before we hand over to Staffy. Uh, thank you, Matthew, for your call. Uh, Ian, have to hand it to the Go Media CEO. He, he was amazing, wasn't he? Uh, has a lot of passion for New Zealand in general and sports. Uh, also, the sort of passion that used to be around in the 80s and 90s. Sadly, a lot of Kiwis have lost the passion for New Zealand. Now, a great guy. Well done. It's from uh, Dino. Uh, Rumour has it uh, from... This is Reese from Dunedin. Rumour has it that James Marshall has just re-signed his Crusaders assistant for three more years, which makes me think Andrew Goodman might be coming back to take... The head coaching role with an assistant sign on without knowing who the head coach was, maybe. Uh, they had a very good relationship at Tasman, so I reckon that makes sense. Um, he also goes on to say, uh, Reese, uh, that um, promoting from within is a good thing. Uh, that would mean uh, Tom Coventry for the Blues, Chris Gibbs maybe for the Hurricanes. Uh, we heard uh, this morning from Clark Laidlaw. Uh, another name has come to the fore here. Uh, what about Milton Haig? Good shout to come back to New Zealand coaching to, to be a good fit with international experience. And here's another one. Uh, Orlando Suakai is coming back soon. He has been coaching in Japan with Kubota, who are in the final this weekend. Anthony Griffin from uh, St George might want to have a crack for a super rugby job because apparently he's lost his gig at the St George Dragons. First NRL coach to suffer uh, at the hands of poor performance. 
So uh, there you go. 11.50 here on SCNZ. Um, another text has just come in. It's like being told there will be no longer be fizz in your beer. It's just not cricket. Leaving the MCG. Back with Steffi <laughs> shortly. I'm not a religious man, but one pastor who I do listen to is Ian Stockley-Smith. Smithy Sermon, about five past nine every morning, Monday to Friday, here on SENZ.